and we're back well again so welcome back to the weekly tech rant this is episode three with me jay and me carl so we're back again amazingly we've made it to three weeks this is good and we do have listeners i've been checking the stats not quite to triple figures yet but we are into double figures which is promising Woo. thank you thank you um i may try to find an edit and put in some you know like celebration style music we also have access to, um, or sorry, I should rephrase that. We also are available, I should say, on several different uh, platforms now, including Apple Podcasts, which is pretty cool. Um, so working our way up the uh, the ladder there of all the different podcasts that are available, I think we may be on page 350,000, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's been a busy week, uh, you know, after last week's... Well, interesting ideas with the TikTok, the Intel breaches. Uh, you know, again, this week, who who would have guessed that this week would be just as much fun? And I think we should start off with the big story of the week. It's going to be an epic one, isn't it? I'll drop that uh, one right there. It, it is. Uh, yes, Epic has basically gone to war with uh, Apple and Google. Uh, I imagine some of our, our listeners have caught up with some of it on the news, but... Uh, they basically updated their Fortnite app on iOS and Android to offer another option when you go to buy your V-Bucks, a direct payment. And to make it more tempting, they reduced it by 20 or 30% as opposed to buying it through you know, the Apple or the Google payment method. Uh, obviously, as we can imagine, uh, Apple and Google weren't too happy about this, so they immediately pulled it from the store. And then, boom, Epic hit them, hit them both with a, a lawsuit. Uh, 62 pages, apparently, uh, of a legal complaint. So this sounds like it was rather calculated and premeditated. But hang on a minute. Correct me if I'm wrong here. When Fortnite dropped um, back in, how what was it, a couple of years ago now? Yep. They uh, they didn't go down the store route, i.e. the Google store, the Apple store, did they? They offered, in terms of Android, it was direct in- install, bypassing the Android store. That was correct, isn't it? Correct, yeah. So obviously, apart from all our insecurity and UEM going, no, what are you doing from a security point of view? Uh, yeah, they, they, they tried that and it didn't really work. So no, several they, months later, they put it on the Play Store. That's right, so, because if I, they did that for monetary reasons, didn't they? They, did, they wanted people to, uh, they didn't want to pay, sorry, the, the, the percentage in the App Store that, you know, in terms yeah, of, you know, 30% yeah. for, for, for Apple and Google. So yeah, it, it's an odd one that they've gone off with Google since... Okay, Google don't make it easy anymore, but at the time they did. You could sideload apps, no problem. You could even add your own app stores. I mean, Amazon had one. I don't know if they still do, but you know, Amazon had an app store you could load and still, you know, bypass the Play Store. So it's, it's odd they're going after that. And but even more odd, why aren't they going after Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo, who also have a monopoly on the app stores and take thirty percent cut, you know, on the consoles? It's a very interesting one. But the CEO of Epic has been dropping hints for a while now, hasn't he, about a certain tech company. Yeah, a certain tech company, a certain CEO um, that he uh, wants to, you know, change the way the the monopoly on the App Store, that developers are getting a fairer cut. And Apple have been in the news recently around the App Store, haven't they, from other developers around how they monopolize uh, and monetize the way that developers share their apps, have in-app purchases like the Fortnite game. but you're right, it does seem a bit calculated that they would go ahead, make a direct change, which they would have known would have broken yep. the well, T's they, and C's. they had the lawsuit there, didn't they? They had the lawsuit ready to go. And that video, was it a 1980 fortnight oh, yeah. or something? Like a propaganda video? Yeah, like the Apple, famous Apple advert, wasn't it, from uh, 1984, funnily enough? <laughs> it's the, the still yeah. a bit tacky, really, isn't it? It, it was, and I've seen it. And, and also reading, there was a quote from the... the the Google um, don't be evil motto uh, that the Apple lawsuit, they came out strong. Apparently this was on nine to five Google. And they were saying, uh, quote, Google's code of conduct explained that this ad- admonishment was about how we serve our users and much more than it's also about doing the right thing more generally. 22 years later, Google has relegated its motto to nearly an afterthought and is using its side to do evil upon competitors, innovators, customers, and users in a slew of markets that's grown to monopolize. Hmm. Ouch. that's quite stinging yeah but it kind of it's a bit hypocritical from epic i mean they they, they bought out what the epic store on windows a year or two ago again the same kind of thing that they didn't want to pay steam 30 percent, so they built their own store and then they went launched the whole uh epic exclusives 
where the games are tied to the Epic Store and you can't buy them anywhere else. It's very, very odd. It's almost like we don't want to do what we don't want you doing it, but we want a slice of that pie, so we're going to do something pretty similar. Do as we say and not as we do. Uh, The classic, the classic. This has got all the hallmarks of a huge legal battle coming up, I think. It has, definitely. I I did also read as well in that that 9 to 5 Google um, post was that Epic claimed that Google coerced OnePlus, the phone manufacturer, you know, the the OnePlus 5 and OnePlus 6, etc., into renegading on a deal that would have seen them bundle the Epic Game Store uh, with their devices uh, so that users could have been able to download in games like Fortnite and other exclusives. And apparently, according to them, OnePlus went back on that deal and, you know, no longer allowed them to do that. It, it, saying that Google forced them into to changing that. Somehow, I can't see how that's happening. I think perhaps they probably were worried themselves that was this a good thing to be tied to a particular, you know, platform. Epic are just games, unlike Google, which is obviously the mechanism for downloading applications across yeah. the whole world. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I've not read the T's and C's that go along with uh, GMS, Google Managed Services. Is there something there that says you can only have one store? I mean, that could be why they renegated on it, but uh, I, I don't know. Well, no, I don't think you can know, because if you look at the Samsungs, they have their own store, didn't they? They have their own store, you're right, yeah. And there was the, uh, what's it called, the Amazon Underground application as well that was doing similar mechanism. Yeah. So I'm not sure whether or not there's terms, he's and he's to say you can only have, uh, you can only have, you know, one store. Now at Apple, that's a given, you know. Yeah, we own the hardware, the platform, the services. You will do as we say. Let's be honest; it's it's served them pretty well, pretty good over time, and I don't think that's going to change. They are making, I think, admissions to say that the thirty percent could change, and there are you know rumblings on there around how developers will get reimbursed. But at the same time, Apple did come out themselves with quite a large punch, saying over the last how many years, you know, since they released the App Store, they've put billions back into the hands of private developers. Oh, definitely. And I, I suppose they're following the same line with Epic as because well, Epic potentially want to put their own app store on, on Apple, don't they? But yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Same kind of thing they've uh, reiterated with um, xCloud and Strada and stuff like that, that they can't vet and review the applications on there if they don't come from the Apple app store. No, and funny you should say this. The, the Stadia, Stadia, is it, how do you pronounce it? Is it Stadia? 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 I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. The Google, Google Cloud Game, yeah, the Google Cloud Gaming Service. I, I, I so I have an account for that. You know, I signed up for the trial. We took, yeah. we, we, we tried to look at that a few months back, didn't we? And yeah. um, I've carried on using it in sort of a limited capacity, not paying, not paying for it as a free tier. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And they've just released some free games, and I thought oh, I'll have a look at that. So I, I clicked on the email, and it said, you know, click here to manage, and it opened up on my iPhone. The App Store said, did I want to download the Stadia, Stadia? application um, yep. and it clearly stated there in the app store blurb if you will that you could not buy apps or manage app you know manage content this was for managing your account and other services in there and you're right and you can't the, play the game can you exactly you can't play the games either and that comes back to the whole thing around the x cloud doesn't it that we spoke about last time in that microsoft um, have effectively being pulled from the same position and are not allowed to use x cloud on on the ios device platform because of yep. that whole mechanism as well. Same with uh, NVIDIA's uh, GeForce Now, is it? Yeah, that's the other one. Android, pretty much Android only, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and the only one that is actually out on iOS is um, is it Shadow? Which I have seen that one. Rent- Which one's that? Yeah, Shadow. Shadow's a similar one, but basically it rents you a gaming PC in the cloud, but you have to go and install a game front like Steam or whatever like that. So it basically gives you uh, a desktop you can RDP into or whatever protocol uh, okay. they're using. Uh, it's a, Yeah, it looks really good. I, I did do a trial of it and it played very, very well. Um, but yeah, it, it's more like RDPing into a desktop you own or rent. Uh, yeah, it's, it's dedicated a bit of a, to you. It's a bit of a different mechanism there, isn't it? You're right. It's not, it's not as a, a cloud gaming where you have the application. You're right. Fundamentally, it's, it's, it's the same apart from the, the back end. The back end yeah. Hmm. I, this one is not going to go away. And Epic, I think, as you say, have been gearing for a fight here. They have purposely poked the bear, so to speak, haven't they? And yep. knowing, knowing full well what the reaction was going to be from 
Apple and potentially Google, I think, in that respect. And I've asked, and I think they've done it to kind of provide fuel for their lawsuit. Yeah, to prove a point, maybe. But uh, yeah, great. Go along with the lawsuit, but did that really help them? They they signed up to the T's and C's, and then they violated them and got kicked off. If you take that to a court of law, surely they're going to go. Well, no, you signed this, and then you broke it. Yeah, it's uh, uh, epic. Uh, whether whether they're going to win, I don't know whether that's the right statement. No, I mean if this, this if this goes on and on and on, I mean Apple is a two billion pound company, two trillion pound company. Sorry, <laughs> two billion. <And> epic, <laughs> epic seventeen billion. I mean, who's going to win the long fight? The war chest of Apple is bigger than the GDP of several countries. Uh, yeah. So, and you can see Apple are going to open that war chest and go, ah, all these patents we've got here, patents we've got here. Um, yeah, Epic, you seem to be violating some of these. Oh, I, I wouldn't want to get it. I mean, not that I'm going to, but I, I, you're right. If you're going to get into a fight with anybody, Apple is probably not who you want to be in a fight with on a platform that they own, on, you know, arguably the most About trusted platform. Well, yeah. Exactly. You kind of fundamentally argue they invented more or less, you know, along with Google. In the, yeah, in the, in the mobile sense, they did. Yeah, definitely. You you can't. I wouldn't say you can't change the status quo because that's not that's not right. And no. perhaps in the wider remit, this lawsuit has the possibility to enforce some changes across the board that would not just help Epic, but Microsoft yeah. and Google themselves. Funnily, in a in a kind of roundabout way. Yeah. So there could be good outcomes here, but for Epic yeah. themselves, I think this could be very damaging. It's going to be costly. Very it is going costly. to be costly. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens in the next week or so, because these I things, mean, oddly, sometimes you find U-turns happening quite quickly, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it only takes some other game that isn't Fortnite to come out and everyone flocked to, and all of a sudden Fortnite's not making the money it used to. Well, that's a very good question. But that's their you golden know, cash cow, isn't it? If you what take is... Fortnite away, what are they worth? Exactly. What is the next big thing? Nobody knows. You know, going back a few years, you had Candy Crush, for example, didn't you? And yep. other similar things, Angry Birds, you know, and yeah. you know, obviously not quite the same as Fortnite, but the but the popularity of those games and the in-app purchases that could be done fueled yeah. the popularity more, didn't it? Because people wanted to compete with them. So yeah, yeah. The, there will be something else. Fortnite's day is probably not done yet, but it certainly will get replaced by something else. So yeah, Epic needs to. Epic are probably very much aware of that, obviously, but whether yeah. or not that's going to happen sooner or later, who knows? Who knows exactly? Ah, uh, so again, so we've had we know we've had TikTok, we've had you know we've had other uh, breaches. Now we've got you know the, the Epic Battle. I think it's a great tagline. Yep. <laughs> Trump wasn't involved in this one. Forward. Not yet. No, don't, hang no, on. No, not yet. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yet. Don't 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 count your chickens before they've trumped. Sorry, I couldn't resist that. That was a terrible pun. All right, all right, okay. So, talk, so last time we talked about the Intel breach, which, funnily enough, has gone quite quiet, hasn't it, over the last week or so? There hasn't been it much has. really in terms of um, what's going on there. Whether there's more information being uh, dropped on that, I've been trying to find some more information out, but it, it doesn't seem to be much in the way of public data on that. So, whether or not they've 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 managed to quash it, uh, or the researchers are sitting on it for a bigger release, who knows? But saying that, there was another interesting security uh, vulnerability released this week, so which was by Checkpoint, who published yeah. several CVEs around Qualcomm's Snapdragon chipset. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Was uh, it, I think, over 400? Something like yeah, that, was it? Yeah, 400 vulnerabilities affecting the DSP chip alone. DSP chip? For yeah, those that the, may not... Yeah, the, the digital signal processing chips, but basically it handles quite a lot of the kind of more mundane tasks on the phone. It can handle things like quick charge, uh, video capture, uh, AR, audio, but it's essentially a black box that people just pick up and they use the API so, or the SDK to interface with it. So yeah, you don't know what's going on in there. And apparently whatever's going on isn't doing it very well. No, and Qualcomm pretty much supply the whole mobile market, don't they? I mean, they have a huge market yeah. share across, well, I don't yeah. know, definitely I mean, Google, Samsung. In, uh, yeah, they used to even be in Apple phones, didn't they, until Apple built their own DSP chips. Yeah. I, so, I mean, you know, you, you name a mobile manuf uh, you know, handset manufacturer, there's probably a high chance that they've got a Qualcomm chip or some, you know, or, or they used one in the past. Those Snapdragon chipsets show up all the time and pretty yeah. good, actually. You know, they, they, they do benchmark really well in the in the 
in, in comparison. But this is, I mean, this is mental. 400 vulnerabilities, uh, yeah. which have several different, you know, attack mechanisms. I believe Checkpoint disclosed them to Qualcomm, who have acknowledged yeah. them um, and have made the right notifications to the different vendors. And they published them across several different uh, CVEs. And what they haven't done is they won't publish the full technical details. Well, <laughs> I wonder no. why. Um, yeah. you know. <laughs> I mean, but what are Qualcomm going to do? Are they going to provide updated firmware for the fixes or are they just notifying people and, well, there you go, we'll look at it for the next chip? I mean, from I what I've it, heard, it's, it's in 40% of the market. Well, yeah, so you're right. Is, is this something that could be patched and bundled in against a firmware update? I, I don't know. No. Are you right? As you say, is, is it something that can't be fixed and therefore needs to be addressed in a new chipset design? Which yeah. that's not going to appear for a long time, is it? No, I mean, and if it can be fixed or patched, we're back to the Android problem again of uh, who's going to patch this? You know, unless you've got a brand new phone or something a year old, I say a year old, you're not going to get this patched, are you? Well, no, and not all the, not all of the vendors in terms of the handset vendors are as, well what's the right way of looking at this willing to publish updates in, in a frequent manner yeah. in the sense that you know you take a samsung for example you get regular firmware updates you get security patching of course from from google and samsung themselves. as long as it's an s phone as an s phone correct but if you were to take i don't know let's mention take a chinese manufacturer of some description or one of the smaller parties and this patch, this uh, device here is affected and it's been out of out of sale now for, let's say, three or four years. You're vulnerable, basically. I don't see anybody going to patch that. No. No. Well, actually, a lot of the cheap Chinese ones never receive any patches. So you, it might only be four or five months old, but you're not getting that patch either. Well, no, because I, I recall reading in the, the Checkpoint press release that Iomi and OnePlus, as two examples, use the Qualcomm chips. Now, OnePlus are pretty good. I, I can't see them yes. not, uh, if there is a patch available. Yeah. But Iomis, I don't know. I haven't had much experience with them, so I can't really comment no. too much there. But I mean, for once, Huawei are probably fine because I don't think they were using the chip. <laughs> they were using no, their own that they can no longer make. <laughs> As I say, they're pretty much in-house now, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, that's probably about the only time you want a Huawei device right now. <laughs> <laughs> I found a use case for Huawei. Come and get one. Buy all the remaining stock. Yeah, well done, well done. Oh man! So this again, what crazy! It uh, makes you wonder what's going to come out next week. I really know, you know, this this whole lockdown and you know COVID situation hasn't really put the dampener on vulnerability research, has it at all? No, oh. there's been a lot of bored people and not a lot to do. So now they're uncovering things or stirring things up. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. And in the also in the news this week, then sort of keeping on the mobile theme. The Apple are reportedly going to offer a services bundle called Apple One, which yeah. if you read some of the, the publications in some of the Mac, uh, what I say, magazines or, or websites, you know, Cult of Mac, yep. 9 to 5 Mac, for example, too, that published it. I believe this came from a Bloomberg report originally as well, mm. saying that the working brand name is Apple One, which is a services bundle that could be released in October alongside the iPhone 12. So this sounds very similar to a small degree in how they bundled the Apple TV yeah. launch back with the last iPhone. And, Definitely. you know, similar to perhaps in some respects to look how Microsoft are doing the services bundles as well, aren't they? With Microsoft, you know, the family pack for Microsoft 365. Oh, yeah. uh, of course, the, the, the Xbox Cloud, is it, what do they call it? Is it X Cloud. The X, X Cloud. But they're also they're doing a subscription pack, don't they, for the, the Xbox services. Yeah, they do. So yeah, if you get the uh, is it Xbox Ultimate, whatever, you get the Xbox Game Pass, the PC Game Pass, and xCloud. Yeah, all, all in one. But this seems like a really good deal, because if you look at Apple, you know, take Apple as an example now. You're, you know, if I look at myself, I have an iPhone, and of the Apple services that are available to me, the only Which one are, that I actually... We've got, we got music, TV, news, yep. arcade, iCloud, and... Apple Care is that a service? Well, I guess you could call it a service, but let's yeah, par let's park Apple Care to one side. If you take, for example, so take an average use, take by myself, right? So I pay for the music piece, yeah. So yeah. I have a family plan on Apple Music. What's that? Fifteen or so pounds, English pounds, yeah. English pounds? Is that a thing? No, British pounds. British pounds. <laughs> British pounds. I've just made my own currency up. Um, British pounds a month, which is you know gets access to six family members across different devices. It's really good. Now, yeah. you could also put on top of that, as you say, Apple TV, which 
I don't think can you pay for that now? I think you, you probably can. can. No, you can buy it, but if you bought a new iPhone, then you got a year subscription to it. Oh, okay. I've only got about four weeks. Yeah, which five is why weeks we've left. got it. <laughs> yeah, we've only got about five weeks left. Yeah. Um, so you've got that. You've got Apple TV Plus. You've got Apple Arcade. You say Apple News Plus, and potentially Apple iCloud, iCloud Storage. Yeah. If you count those things, oh, sorry, I do pay for iCloud Storage. So I pay the two pound yeah. forty nine tier, which is one terabyte. Don't get me started. Sure on subject. I've had two, to buy the two terabyte one. Oh, don't, don't get me started on the that's tiering. Jump here. Up from the, that's a jump up from the two hundred gig, isn't it? Ah, sorry. Yes, that's what I meant. Two forty nine is two hundred gig, not one terabyte. I apologise. Uh, yes, you're right. Seven pound is it? Seven pound for the two terabyte? I don't need that. I could have been happy with a five hundred gig one. But that's the thing here about Apple's tiering. You know, without going off on a tangent. There is no tiering. It's two hundred no. gig or two terabytes. That's it. I, I don't get it. That oh, drives me nuts. But yes, that's the that's another problem. So if I was to say to you then, Carl, your iPhone twelve, you can you're going to pick up. You know, in a couple of months' time, uh, instead of paying for all these services, I don't know. Let's call it a round figure of 9.99 a month yeah. you could get the basic package of all of that together you know it's a different tiering but let's say you know entry yeah. level that's not a bad deal i guess is it no it's not but i suppose i'm going to be the awkward sod in the room because i just want the music and the two terabyte cloud storage i don't care about the news the arcade or the tv uh but that won't be one of the bundles i'm sure no, but if you added it up, I mean, what, what's the TV? Five or so? I think five, five uh, pounds. Arcades are five. Uh, so that's music. ten. Ten or fifteen, depending if it's family or personal. Yep. Yeah. So there, and I don't know what news is, but I'm guessing news. Quid. Yeah, exactly. So there is going to be savings here. So actually, you might not want those other services, but it might be more cost-effective to take that bundling. Yeah, I think if I pay, f- I, I don't use Apple Music, but I would move to it. Uh, all my services now support it. So I'm paying the same kind of thing. I'm paying £15 a month for Spotify. Uh, I'm paying my 6 or £7, £7, is it, for two terabytes. So I was spending £21, £22. So if I can get it for 20 or 25 of all the services included, then yeah, I'd probably take that. And the reality is that Apple are more likely to get a higher buy-in for a subscription service than they would do, I think, people buying individual services. There is, so there's probably a much higher return here. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, I don't think they'll give, give iPhone buyers a year's free subscription to the top package. No, that would be counterintuitive as well, wouldn't it, really? Yeah. I, I'm keen. I'm, I would think this is really good. I'm keen to go down this road. I like my Apple services. And I think, as you say, a great example, two terabyte of iCloud storage, Apple TV, Apple Music, let's say, I don't know, 15 pounds 15 euro dollars whatever you want to call it a month yeah. then that would be good i enjoyed apple arcade i took the free trial of that when it came I out i tried it i haven't tried it yet yeah well the free trial was good fun and there's some really good games on there i mean i don't play a lot of gaming on, on the mobile device but there are some good games on there i don't play enough of it to warrant paying for it full term mm. but you know if it was in there yeah i'd use it the same with Apple TV. I had so great, I had, I had great, you know, expectations for it. And, you know, For All Mankind was one of the shows on there that I watched. It was really good. You know, alternative view of the space race. Fantastic yep. show. I'd recommend it to anybody that enjoys, you know, space or, or similar. It was good drama. But, you know, I already have Netflix. I have a Sky yeah. TV package here. You have Amazon Prime, no doubt. I've got Amazon well. Prime, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I don't need another service, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose that, that was always my bugbear with iCloud. Like, I only use it to back up the phones and the iPads. I'm the weird creature has an iPhone and everything else is Windows. Uh, so iCloud storage for me on Windows is pretty much useless, uh, but I need it to back up my devices. So it, yeah, it, it grates me. I have to pay that much for it just because I've gone over the 200 gig of backups. Yeah, see, I'm more, I'm more bought into the Apple ecosystem, aren't I? I guess that's, that's the problem yeah. I've got. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> uh, this one, though, I mean, this, if you, well, with the rumoured 7th of September is one of the dates that's been published from one of the leakers, you know, Apple, John Prosser, who's, uh, you know, up and coming leaker in the Apple world. If you've seen any yep. of his forecasts, yeah, you know, the guy's, guy's been dropping some really interesting tidbits, um, much to the, Dismay, I think, of some of the more established leakers slash uh, analysts, however you want to describe them. Yeah, dinner, isn't he? <laughs> but he's doing well. And I, he published you know, an article the other day saying that, uh, that they were going to stagger the launch 
because of the delays. There'd be an, the announcement on the 7th of September and you'd be able to pre-order, etc. But the devices wouldn't ship until October uh, and the iPads would be released. I think it was iPads and Apple TV, but I may be wrong on that, would be released by press, press release as opposed to yep. event. So, you know, we are, we're not that far away. You know, the 7th of September isn't... Isn't really that far away at all now, is it? You know, we're into the middle of August now. Yeah, it's crazy. This this is going to be interesting to see. I would, I'm, I think it's a strong play that Apple will do a subscription service. I think there's enough good evidence to suggest that it's something they would entertain. They've got enough services now that bundling them together is an attractive offering to the, the consumer base. Definitely, definitely. So it'll be interesting to see the announcement there. Uh, okay. All right. So, what else have we got on this week? Well, I think let's did talk you... about your you being a trader, Jay, and moving from Proxmox to ESXi. I think <laughs> I was holding that one for later. Yes, yes. I hold my hands up high and confess to the the confess to the <laughs> the choir. The choir. You just confess. <laughs> I confess. I said I'd never. I said I wouldn't go and use ESXi because Proxmox had everything that I needed. And I didn't see the need to do it. And I mentioned before, and I think it was on our first podcast, how for several reasons, including licensing, I didn't want to go down that road. I've done a (laughs) U-turn. And (laughs) as of today, I only have one virtual machine running on Proxmox. And I've moved all of my machines across, which has been fun to say the least. And I now have... Out of my three hosts, I've got two running ESXi uh, with vSphere 6.7 in a cluster, uh, not running shared storage at the moment because that's got you know other other things that needs to be sorted out. But it's it's working well. It, it was quite difficult to get up and running, and it was a bit of a challenge to be honest with you. But it wasn't all plain sailing, was it? I, I know. No. Started with ESXi seven, then had to go back to 6.7 because of the network cards. Yeah. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Uh it's it's yeah. That's the problem, isn't it? Proxmox works on pretty much I don't want to say any hardware because that's uh that's if not it's got a, if it's got a Linux driver, it it'll work. ESXi is a bit more fussy. Exactly, exactly. ESXi, you know, the driver sits there and I couldn't move to seven because of the as you say, the the, the VM Linux drivers they've depreciated several of those and the chipsets of the, the network cards that I'm running are no longer supported. So that was a bit of a, a showstopper in that sense, but I can overcome that in time. But yeah, moving across was fun. Getting up and running was fun. You know, it, I, it's been an interesting challenge to convert virtual machines and reconfigure them. It hasn't quite gone to plan as we've spoken about, you know, offline, but long and short of it, it's working and it's quite steady. It's quite steady. The performance overheads aren't as bad as I thought they were going to be, if I'm honest with you. Uh, vCenter consumes a bit more RAM than I anticipated, but because it's pre-allocated, it's, sorry, it's not, um, it's not, it's ballooning, so it, you know, it goes up and down, and I'm not running a massive environment, so it isn't having to do masses of control against, you know, what, at the moment, 12 virtual machines and, and two hosts. Mm. So it's ticking over nicely. But yes, yes, I have been turned by the devil, and I now live on the dark side <laughs> oh but uh yeah it has allowed you though to actually pass through a graphics card hasn't it so yeah that, yes it has in some instances so there was one minor success and you know let's be honest the whole reason for what we talked about before and i put out a blog post the other day around some of the trials and tribulations that i'd had on running gp pass through in in proxmox and i managed to get it working on a linux box but of course it was windows ultimately the as you know, we wanted to achieve the driving force. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So I built the new VM in, in ESXi. I created the GPU pass through in ESXi and it, you know, it found the 970 NVIDIA card. Perfect. Excellent. Got it installed. It showed up in the VM, reinstalled the drivers. It looked like it was working perfectly until we did a reboot. And then the code 43 error came back. Yeah, that was weird because it was actually working in a live card, but I, I don't know what happened there. <sighs> I know, I know. It was working. It was there. Did a reboot, as I say, and poof, it back to square one. I have come to the conclusion it is the hardware. 
not that it's, it's not working. Bit. No, it's just there's some incompatibility. I mean, it could well be the motherboard. He said, I, I've got pretty much the same white box as you. You know, it's a uh, i5, it's a GTX 970 NVIDIA card. The one difference being there, my motherboard's running a Z170 chipset. I think you said yours was Z97. Well, so I, I managed to get mine passed through no problem on Proxmox. Uh, I've not tried a Windows machine yet, but I passed it into an LXC container with Proxmox, uh, sorry, with um, Plex in it, and it was hardware transcoding. Uh, but unfortunately, I need to get the Intel one in there because NVIDIA doesn't support H.265 on that card. But uh, yeah, that, that's going off track slightly. But yeah, I got it to work. So th there's some difference there. Exactly. So I, I don't know. You're right. I, I think it's a hardware incompatibility in the sense of the combination of motherboard, processor, and NVIDIA chipset works perfectly well when you're running Windows natively bare metal. But it is consumer grade. We, you know, we're clear on that point. This is a consumer grade setup. Out of the three hosts I run, the other two are one U Quanta servers, fully standard, you know, server infrastructure, fully supported, works great. This is a white box, you know, and we are playing with roulette in the sense that if you put a bunch of components together it's, yeah. it's never gonna it's never gonna be the same as a qualified hardware compatibility list is it not at all i mean it could even be saying as trivial as one switch in the bios or go rolling back to a previous bios version and it works we just don't know and you could pull your hair out for weeks on end like i think you have i have, I, I have got a lot of that trying to get this working yeah, as I say, pulling hair, I haven't got a lot of hair to pull out anymore. So it's, it's, that's one saving grace. But um, I, what I have done, though, is I have found on eBay a HP workstation, the Z280 uh, workstation, which has a pair of Xeon 2660s in it, which is similar to the Quantavox, a Quadro card in there. No, uh, nothing else particular, but I'm going to see, you know, it's at a good price at the moment. If I can get it for a good price, that would be a great replacement for the white box because it's more standardized kit. It's more workstation slash um, server infrastructure. And yep. the Quadro card will be the, the test to see whether this works or not. Um, and if so it we'll does... Stick the, we'll stick the link to the eBay thing in the show notes so you can bid against <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll stick an eBay link in the show notes whether it'll be that one or not I don't know <laughs> but yeah we'll see how it goes but I, I, I'm going to keep an eye on this we'll talk a bit more about ESXi I think in, a, in an upcoming show it'd be good to kind of talk a little bit more around comparing Proxmox with ESXi I think that's a good yeah. thing to go down the road of uh, and obviously you're doing more with containerization the LXC containers and yeah. if I can get upgraded to version 7 of vSphere uh, yep. we can look at how uh, VMware addresses containers as first-class citizens now in, in that environment. So I think that's yeah, a good... I'm interested to see that one. Uh, it's, uh, are they using Kubernetes, aren't they? They are indeed, yep, exactly that. It's a built-in Kubernetes stack around the, the whole Tanzu uh, portfolio, which is part of the pivotal acquisition that they did a little while ago. And talking of graphics cards, Intel uh, are going to release yep. their first discrete GPU. Well, they have. They've, they've announced what, one, two... Three, Four. Yeah, it's a weird one, this, though, isn't it? It's not quite... GPUs, haven't they? It is, but it's not quite all it seems, is it? It's not, you know, they've got several variations of it, haven't they? I think the name is it the, the DG1, um, which... <laughs> I'm going on Amazingly... the model list. We've got, what, the, the, the XE is, is the brand, isn't it? Uh, yeah, the... LP what are they calling that? Integrated... Yeah, LP is the low-cost one, the integrated and the entry one, which has actually been built into the new tiger lake cpu that's kind of interesting though because that will apparently do native 4k 8k decode at 60 frames a second and nice. supports the new av1 codec full hdr10 and dolby vision all in hardware so that could actually make a cracking video card to pass through for decode for things like plex that's not bad at all i wonder whether that'll show up in one of the the nucks or something later on yeah, so it's I was thinking, if, if you could get a one new version of that, uh, you know, so a single slot as a discrete card, pop that in, pass that through to a container or a VM which is running Plex, I'm sure that can handle quite a few streams at once and not be any problem whatsoever. It's Intel, so generally it would just work on Linux. It'd be interesting to see what the price point of these is when they come out. Yeah, it will be. It will be. I mean, but I, I suppose me, me, me and you are more interested in the, the HPG, aren't we? The, the mid-range enthusiast one. or mid -range That's right, yeah. 
with with the which is kind of targeted more at the game gaming community, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. Vincent Video and AMD. So that's going to be interesting. I mean, it's not the first time Intel have tried this, has it? And they've kind well, of failed several times. <laughs> no, I was just going to say about say we have a three-way fight between Intel, Nvidia, and and uh, AMD. But yeah, it's not it's not quite the three-way fight that it's had. I think it's two heavyweights versus a flyweight that just fell into the wrong ring. Yeah, at the moment. What was the previous one? Was it the I want to say it was an Intel Seven Forty. Was their last discrete graphics card I remember? And I actually well. Okay, I didn't buy one. I worked for a, a computer distributor at that point, so we had something to play with, and they were terrible. Ah, oh, the i seven forty—that was it. It's, yeah, it's been a while, isn't it? I mean, they've really gone down more the road of bundling the GPU alongside the CPU in the chipset, yeah. haven't they? And, and it served them well if you wanted basic onboard graphics. And some of the higher end ones play some, you know, reasonable AAA titles at low frame rate, don't they? Quite introductory yeah. frame rates. You know, it's quite serviceable to say the least. But yeah, so I years, imagine this, this LP one will, will make a lot of people just use the Intel integrated on their laptops for gaming as opposed to getting a discrete one, you know, um, Nvidia, one of their mobile ones, because it will do enough, I think, for some light gaming. Well, exactly. It supports, the, I think from the early press releases, it says DX12? it has 96... Yeah, DX12, it has 96 execution units, which if, according to Intel is the equivalent of the NVIDIA CUDA core or, or the AMD Steam processor. Yep. And it supports DX12, as you said, synchronous compute and other things like sampling feedback, view instancing, which is about running shaders and rendering. So yeah, it sounds like a pretty reasonably entry-level gaming GPU, I think, is that way to look at it? Yeah, I imagine for most, well, certainly laptop-wise, I think, you know, they're obviously competing against AMD with their 4000 series here, but you'll get... 1080p gaming, uh, kind of medium settings maybe, or low to medium on modern but titles, on I, reckon, I, reckon, I reckon you'll get that, and it'll be power efficient as well. As well, opposed I just say to, on a laptop, that's what you want really, isn't it? Yeah, as opposed to chucking an NVIDIA, I can't remember what their branding is for their mobile, but 2070, whatever it is, uh, you know, I think it'll be, it'll be decent enough, but they'll make people question, should they really jump up to a full gaming laptop, you know, and lose all that battery life, and obviously pay a fortune more. Well, just as I say, if you're going to have the gaming laptop route, you're, you're talking more buying your, your Razer um, or your MSIs, yeah. aren't you? Those kind of manufacturers. Or do Alienware still make? Do Dell put out? I think Dell do, don't they? Alienware yeah. still do laptops, yep. Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't seen one for a while. I think that you're right. I know they do the, the, the desktops, but you're talking much bigger outlay. You know, you're talking yeah. lower battery life for obvious reasons. <laughs> And you, you know, generally speaking, overkill for pretty much everybody apart from your gamer or video editor. But we'll see, we'll see. Those was it the HPG cards? Isn't it? I think they were suspect, uh, suspected. They were expected in 2021 with, and also would support GDDR GDDR6 memory uh, and and ray tracing support as well. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where we go with it. I'd want to see some reviews. I'd want to see some serious benchmarking before I decided that my NVIDIA card was no longer serviceable. Oh, well, I suppose especially with their announcement, what, well, their releases or whatever we're going to call it on the 1st of September with the 3000 series in there. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Ah, uh, yes, the, the Fable 3000 card that they keep hinting about, the, the details, uh, you know, have been released or leaked out, you know, and they keep dropping on on Twitter. I don't know whether it's on other social media platforms. Sort of the they're calling it the ultimate countdown. They keep talking about stuff they they've are. released in the past. As as we were talking about the other day, they were they were saying uh, on Twitter they've showcasing stuff from 2004 today and yesterday. And they're talking about the release of Steam um, and the release of the 6800 Ultra card that supports DX9. <laughs> wow. wow. 2004 was a long time ago. It was. <laughs> I, the screenshot they had for Twitter uh, on Twitter had had the download for what was it Opposing Force on Steam with the original Steam interface, and it was 138, 130 meg download. Was that it? 130 <laughs> meg. Oh, blimey! How, how how big was what? How big was the download I think this for the? It's bigger than that now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. What was it we downloaded the other day? We we, we were gonna play. Was it uh, when we talk about games? We were gonna play. Was it the the F one twenty eighteen? Yes. Yeah. Or twenty nine. Yeah. Well, we downloaded both. What, at the end. <laughs> what was it? About a forty gig download, wasn't it? That was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. How times have changed. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. Well, that brings us, I think that probably brings us nicely on to a bit of gaming news. So yeah. a quick one on DCS. So for anybody who hasn't played it, DCS is the digital combat simulator flight sim, commonly known as DCS, made by Eagle Dynamics and is a fantastic flight, com- uh, flight simulation for all kinds of different military aircraft across the world, ranging from modern aircraft to back to sort of World War II era and has yep. a selection of fantastic maps. And we fly it, uh, well, I say we fly it, we attempt to fly it uh, on the Persian Gulf maps, on the Nevada maps and the, the Caucasus yep. maps, which is great. Uh, our, our plane of choice these days is the F-18. So, Carl, you yep. do dabble with other aircraft, I know, I know. I do, I do. Um, and we could talk about this for hours. But interestingly, this is a, a flight simulation where you can either have instant missions that are generated by the, you know, the, the platform, uh, or there are campaigns that are built by the developers and also third parties. And you can also do multiplayer as well. Yeah. What it isn't is an RTS. Correct me. Well, apparently it is now, Jay. Are you not up with the news? Uh, well, this yeah. is the thing. I, I'm confused. <laughs> I'm confused. It's a dynamic campaign engine which makes DCS into an RTS, but I, I'm really not sure how this is going to work. I mean, is it literally just turning it into an RTS, or is it kind of like a couple of people will be the commanders with an RTS-style view who can then send commands to the real people flying the planes? Uh, you know, and if you're not a commander, you're basically just playing DCS, but getting commands from the commanders. Yeah, but there's been several uh, games just, like that before. I have no idea. There's, yeah, but there's been games like that in the past. I mean, um, the Armor Three by Bohemia Studios has the Zeus mode, which has like yeah. Zeus, you've kind of a god, but let's call it Battlefield Commander. You know, there yeah. are other games like even DCS itself has what one of the add-ons that allows you to have players' land forces, and you can direct. Uh, bombing missions in you know so i'm really confused by this you know is it as you say a dynamic campaign that adjusts itself to what you're playing so you know the mission you're playing if you don't complete the objectives or i don't know something happens in the map it changes on the fly now that's how i'm interpreting it or is it like it's an rts style approach i'm very confused and there is limited information at the moment they they published a newsletter on the 7th of august telling the the yeah everybody that was coming out uh, and that was it, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was literally what two or three paragraphs, if that, with a picture of a. I think it was an SU twenty-five, uh, and that was it. It gave no clue what's going on in the slightest. Yeah, the press release stated the DCS World Dynamic Campaign Engine combines a real-time strategy engine with military forces and economics layers. Hmm. Production oh, yeah, logistics, <laughs> use and transfer of resources. Well, what does that sound like? <laughs> Uh, civilization with planes <laughs> well that could be fun <laughs> yeah. it just yeah i can't get my head around what how what i just don't know i'm confused i you know we'll, I, this is something we'll, we'll have to talk about in more depth with more news comes out because of we play a lot on dcs and i think perhaps we should maybe dedicate one of our our episodes in in the future to a particular game and dcs is a good one to talk yeah. about and share but yeah this is a weird one you know if you want to go have a look at it with a link in the show notes to to dcs campaign engine and dcs itself um uh, caution you will spend money if you like this you get into it 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 what do you, you mean jay money. it's free it's free to play <laughs> ah yes carl the game is free to play but the... <laughs> and you get decent flight models but if you want the decent aircraft you're gonna have to part with your hard-earned tokens it's not, it's not cheap is it when you're looking at potentially 60 pound a module for a plane no but when you look at the detail that goes into those modules it isn't like you know flight sim 1998 style cockpits you know there are fully functioning aircraft the flight models are researched the weaponry is researched you know you look at the the f-18 and the f-16 which are ones that you know sort of two landmark releases that they've done are still are still getting updates still not fully completed but uh, you know from the reviews, if you've read any of the reviews or you go online, you know, real pilots have been involved in helping shape these. There's great feedback from the community on them. Yeah, and they're not they're not easy to fly. It takes some skill. And you and I both know that yeah, it's <laughs> you can you can jump into it if it's if it's yep. if it's already had a like a hot start and the engines are running and you can work out you know the basic flight controls, yeah, you can take it off. But you want to start firing weapons, you want to oh, start tracking, yep. you know, enemies beyond the horizon. <sighs> 
Because I think, what do we both start off with? SU-27s or SU-33s? Or I think I had one, you had the other. But it must have taken us about three weeks to figure out how to fire a missile. Yeah, it was the th- yeah, it was, uh, that's right. The SU-33 is a carrier one. You have the 27 yeah. from the, the Flaming Cliffs um, add-on. And yeah. you're right. I mean, I'd, I'd played DCS for a bit. I'd up, you know, over the years, as it advanced, I'd, I'd had the games the Flaming Cliffs add-ons I'd kind of picked up and they'd been grandfathered in for me. And I'd never really got into it up until sort of last year. And flying it, yeah, I could roughly work out how to take off. But when we started playing it properly, yeah, three weeks, got to be at least, wasn't it, before we worked out how to properly fire a missile without just smashing keys, how to then track um, anybody, and more importantly, how to kind of have a combat situation where you've got multiple (laughs) enemies. No, and you're not sure. I think I called you saying, you know, I fired a missile, but it's only gone straight though. It hasn't tracked anything, but I've managed to fire a missile. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. There's about four or five different actual weapon modes, isn't there? To, to how crazy. they, <laughs> it's crazy, crazy. But we'll see. So this week we've been playing Project Cars Two. That wasn't which the is... plan originally. No, it wasn't the plan originally, and you brought it to the table. So it's only fair, really, you should give a quick intro onto Project Cars, you know, because for me, I'd, I'd heard of it, but I hadn't really played it up until this week. Okay, so yeah, um, it's, a, it's a British company uh, that make this. Uh, I think I've, I played Project one, Cars 1 and 2, uh, so I've been playing it for a while now, but it's a, it, it's a, it's a racing simulator, so a bit more like maybe a set of Corsa rather than your Forza series. Uh, very good. Probably hundreds of cars, lots of different tracks. Uh, you can make it as realistic as you want. So you can have proper damage models. You know, you, you hit a wall, your steering rack goes out. Uh, dynamic weather. Uh, yeah, even down to the wear on the tyres. Uh, obviously, we've turned a lot of that off when we've been playing, haven't we, Jay? I wonder why. <laughs> no, we did go on the snow track in what looked like NASCARs. Uh, that wasn't recommended. No. So we're playing it on PC. Is it available on other platforms, Carl? Yeah, you can get it on uh, Xbox, definitely, because I've got it on Xbox. I think PlayStation as well, I imagine. Okay, okay. I think it, now you say I think I may have seen that. But, but yeah, it's really good. You're right. The original plan wasn't to play Project Cars. It was to play Formula One 2018. And it, as that was free, we picked that up free, didn't we, on, a, on the humble bundle. I can never say yep. that. Uh, and then I couldn't get that to work. It kept crashing to the desktop, so I kind of gave up on that. So then we discovered... F1 2019 was free with the, the Game Pass. Yep. Worked perfectly for you, didn't it? Again, yeah. Fine. But uh, you, you're not so lucky. No, crashed to the desktop again. I, I lost the will to live at this point. You know, we were going to play, wanted to play something new. And you said you were kind enough to suggest Project Cars. And we had that installed, which is great through Steam. And it's been great fun. You're right. It was a bit of a learning curve in getting the controls up and running. Playing with the Xbox controller works seamlessly, of course, on Windows. Yep. And it's good fun. Your multiplayer was good. We set up a... Go on. Tense. A lot of screaming going on, wasn't there? <laughs> there was a lot of screaming going on. <laughs> I think that, that race we did... Which one was it? The We we did a race around Indianapolis, was it? The, 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 the Speedway. Yeah, yeah. That's the speedway. it, yeah. Um, which was nuts. I mean, <laughs> the problem with that, the problem with that, if you don't get off a good start, and you're not picking up lap times, you just get lapped. And we did pretty well. You, you finished first, I finished second. It could have been very different. That last lap yeah. was pretty tense. And then we did, there was a great uh, California coast run, which I yeah. think kind of a representation of the Pacific Coast Highway. Yep. You won that, that as well. That was quite a hard track. Uh, yeah. It, it's, what, what do we play it in? Uh, Porsches. Porsches. We? GT4s, yeah. GT4s. Yeah. Uh, they're a lot quicker than you think. And before you know it, you're doing, what, 150 kilometers an hour. And there's a bend right in front of you. So uh, lots and lots of braking. They were pretty swift, weren't they? I was impressed, actually, of the acceleration of the Porsche. I mean, not that yeah. it wouldn't be for a GT4. But, yeah, compared to some of the other sports cars that we'd driven up to that point. And you're right. Coastal track, real roads, 107 turns, lots of adverse camber, hairpins <laughs> came out of nowhere, especially That's when you jumps. come up. Oh, yes. Big jumps, uh, but again, a great, great race. And the ice track you mentioned, which was Bathurst in Australia. Yes, in winter in, with snow. In, in rear-wheel drive, BMW Sport in sort of touring cars. A touring, are they touring cars? I think they yeah. were. Yeah. Yeah, not recommended, not recommended. But great, great fun. I can see the appeal for multiplayer. From what I understand, 
a lot of this a lot of sim racing is done with project cars as well it is yeah i mean it's obviously it supports vr so i was playing vr but it also supports triple displays as well so you know you know have one in the front left and right to look like left and right out of your car um yeah obviously supports all your steering wheels as well uh well that leads you on nicely to in terms of the gadgets we were going to talk about this week so i'll let you kick off first because you yeah. dropped a nice little hint there. <laughs> so actually, before I say that, I don't know if you saw, Jay, Project Cars Free, at, free is out in, on the 27th of August. I've only just started playing Project Cars 2. How can I understand? I know, but <laughs> you just brought free? a load of new monitors and it supports 12K, so three times 4K displays. Yeah, all right, all right. I, I get the hint. <laughs> okay, but yeah, yeah. So I've been meaning to get a steering wheel for for ages you know i think with a, with a vr headset in a racing game having it a steering wheel just completes that i think so i can see logitech have just released or announced the new g923 which has got some kind of advanced force oh, feedback yeah. engine in it so apparently you can you can feel the gravel on the road slipping and the, the vibrations of the engine and stuff uh, i have to say it speak. looks amazing yeah it does, does look great. if the game doesn't support the new i think that, you know i think you have to use their sdk to support the new engine it will just go back to a standard force feedback, which all the other Logitechs use. But it does look very good. But I'm, I've not seen a UK price yet. And it was nearly $400. So I'm going to presume it's £400. Well, I, I had to look on the website earlier. Yep. Um, and as I say, it's gorgeous. It looks like a le- it looks leather as well. It looks really nice. It's Alcatara, I'd imagine. Ooh. Uh, they, the official website, I, well, I think it's official. Yeah, Logitech says that it's 349.99 so yeah not cheap but aluminium but premium build aluminium steel and leather dual clutches next gen force feedback and it's also advertised by fernando alonso (laughs) okay awesome and if you they've got two models haven't they so if you buy the xbox one it works on pc as well Ah, uh, yes, I, did. I was going to say there was two mods because I noticed that there's a PlayStation variant because it supports Gran Turismo Sport. Yeah, yeah. So there's a PlayStation version and an Xbox stroke PC version, which suits yeah. me fine. So I'll grab that one. Ha- handy Xbox button at the bottom of the steering wheel. Yeah. Well, I'm saying they actually map out to Windows the gaming as well, don't they, for quite a it lot does. of stuff. It, I mean, it looks fantastic. I mean, as aesthetically pleasing as it does, it looks really nice. The, the G-Hub software that comes with it, masses of customization across it. The PC and Xbox and PlayStation game support is huge as well. You're yeah. right. Not all of them support the true force uh, feedback that you mentioned. Yeah. I'm sure that's coming. You know, makes sense. But that will progress with patches, I imagine. People, people add that in. Uh, but I think this is a rabbit hole, though, because, you know, after we've got the VR headset and the steering wheel, I obviously need a racing seat to sit in as well. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> where am I going to put that? Well, at least you don't need more monitors. <laughs> I do, Jay, I do, but uh, no. <laughs> Not for this game. I, I really like the look of it. I think it's really nice. I'd love to have a go on those and see one of those up close. It's the kind of thing that, I, I don't know, as you as I said, you can't go to shops anymore in the same sense. It's the kind of thing that would probably would have been in somewhere like the, you know, the, the London Microsoft store, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if you've got one of these near you. We, we have over in Milton Keynes. They, there's a company that does racing simulation, and you go in, you can pay X amount for whatever the hour is, you and your friends, and they've got like 20 different pods, each with uh, racing seats, steering wheel pedals, free oh, monitors nice. set up. Uh, it's not Project Cars, it's um, something like R-Factor, it's one of the other sim ones they use. Yeah. Uh, it's got a big subwoofer under the seat to give you the whole vibration bit absolutely brilliant uh yeah uh, and they provide beers as well so you can drink and drive in virtual obviously <laughs> not in real life but um it's a, a really good night out and they make a whole thing of it you get a trophy at the end uh brilliant so obviously in all weather which you can't really do with things like go-karting sounds impressive but no i, I don't think we've got those local times but that sounds like a great night out uh you know clearly wasn't an advert there but Pretty much a no, recommendation, no, I'd say. I didn't mention the name, and you probably can't do it at the moment with the social distancing, but uh, when it's over, definitely have a look for something like that. Oh, definitely. It looks great fun. Well, sounds great fun, I should say. And those yep. steering wheels, I'm, I'm impressed by that. I'm not really a kind of... I've never really had a steering wheel for my consoles, my PC, but I'm pretty impressed with that. I mean... I suppose it's the space, isn't it? A controller's a lot smaller than a whole uh, joystick and... Uh, sorry, steering wheel and pedals. 
Yeah, I mean, they. Oh, he looks impressive, but there was <laughs> there was one Logitech steering wheel that I was kind of tempted with a little while ago. Um, I, <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it, but it just made me think about it. Which was that they did the Logitech G SciTech Farm Sim Controller, which basically <laughs> was the farm simulator and was the tractor, a tractor steering yeah. wheel, pedals, and it had like the center console as well with more buttons than my joysticks have got. Wow. It, it just looked amazing. I mean, it, it was like absolutely <laughs> crazy, you know. Uh, but there you go. I mean, at the cost of it, I think on Amazon now, they're like going for like 250 quid or something. It came out like two or three years wow, ago. I just looked at that. That's hilarious. I was even got the ball thing on the steering wheel so you can do it one handed. <laughs> yeah. Or you look over <laughs> your back, shoulder, yeah. Now, if you're playing in VR, that's what you do, wouldn't you? You'd turn oh, around. You yeah, you're right. Uh, interesting. I didn't know they did that. I think it works with. It works with tr- uh, the truck simulator, Euro Truck Simulator as well, and American yeah. Truck Simulator. So it looks good fun. I mean, I, I'm not going to buy one. If, if I got one for free, I wouldn't say no. But you know, <laughs> farming simulator. Now that's a I'll, game. I'll, I'll put I'll put both of those in the show notes. Uh, that one is the, that one is the um, I don't know the the short straw, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you, can, you can still race with it. I'm sure. I, I don't know. I reckon though, on some of those corners, having the old. What do, I, what do you want to call it? The ball on the steering wheel? Yeah, the knob on the right steering turn. wheel? I don't know. <laughs> there is probably... A, I'll have to ask my brother. My brother drives trucks for a living. There's probably a probably a proper name for that thing. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> so it would I'm probably... You know, it's, you know, steering around there, doing hairpin turns, a bit of drifting. I bet that's loads of control there. Definitely, definitely. So oh. uh, you had a big purchase this week, did you? <laughs> I did, I did. That was going to be my final thing to say, actually. You're right. I did have a little bit of a big purchase this week. And after some umming and ahhing, I dropped some cash and I bought myself a pair of the Sony WH-1000XM4 noise-cancelling headphones. That's Here, From this point onwards, known as the XM4s. Yeah. So, yeah, they are really, really good. I've got them on right now. They are wireless Bluetooth heads, head, headphones, headset, I nearly said they're headphones um, that support uh, working on a PC, they work on the phones, they work on anything with Bluetooth effectively. They have, according to Sony, industry level noise cancel, industry leading, excuse me, noise cancelling, and are, are comfortable as anything. I decided to buy these, and I put a, I've already put a blog post out on my first impressions of this, but I've been looking at, you know, for a long time getting some new headphones, and I've had for what six years or so now a pair of the bose qc25s over ear headphones i know the ones yep yep really good very popular and uh, i bought them many years ago back at heathrow's i was starting to travel more for work and they're great they you know they had a, they've got a, a wire that goes and plugs into your phone or your ipad or whatever your choice of media is they've got really good noise cancelling they're comfortable as i said and uh, the only problem was they were battery powered, so no lithium ion. They took a single AAA battery, but lasted around 16 to 20 hours of playback. So if you think you're on a flight for what two or three hours, you know, for, for European travel or, or a bit more for longer, they work perfectly, and you can keep a spare battery in the case. And they've done really well, you know, for, for all the traveling I've done over the years, the thousands of miles, they've served me really well. And I've had to replace the cable, and I had to replace you know the, the rubber ear mounts and the, the all the padding. Uh, and that cost me, let's call it about £30 to replace that a, a year or so ago. Yeah. Wear and tear. And they were official Bose parts. Really nice and easy. So the dilemma has been that they were great. And with lockdown and working from home, like everybody else, you know, we're sat in front of a computer on a lot of Zoom calls or similar. I've been using headphones because it's the best way to, to listen to things uh, rather than use the speakers on my desk. And I use a boom mic here. So I'm, my setup at the moment is uh, I've got a, uh, a snowball mic here, which is the, uh, the blue snowball mic. Um, I've got you know my headphones on now on the mic on a, an arm, which makes much easier for calling. It's crisper, cleaner, helps with the video calls that I'm doing. I'm not kind of worried about the sound quality you know, too much now compared to running on, say, the mic in my headphones or anything similar. But 10 hours a day I'm wearing headphones gets a bit much and when the cord of the headphones is what two foot 60 centimeters long uh that's where the problem lies because you move away from your desk you get snagged you want to turn around or talk you want to move away and pick something up if you're like me and i walk around the room a lot sometimes when i'm on the phone (laughs) not today 
you can't do that. So I, no. I needed to change. And the other thing was the batteries as well. You know, 16 hours of a battery means I was going through quite a lot of batteries with the noise cancelling. Uh, the kids playing in the background outside, other, other noise. So I was going to get the Sony XM3s. If you read the blog post, I talk a bit more about this. But I narrowed it down to the, the next version of the QT35s or the Bose 700s, which are really nice, but super expensive. Uh, the XM3s were kind of the ones I was going with. You know, all the reviews, everyone was saying that the Sonys had just pipped the Bose on the noise cancelling. They were really good quality-wise, and they seemed to be the headphone of choice for many people. And I kind of settled on that. And then uh, about the start of the month, it was rumoured that Sony were going to drop the XM4s. And I was like, oh, no. You know, because let's be honest, new model doesn't necessarily always mean better, does it, really? You know, it doesn't necessarily mean... Th- better quality. you know it can introduce new problems but the, the reviews are pretty good you know and i i thumbed an art for a bit and then we spoke about this the other day about some headphones and i thought you know what actually i'm gonna do it and this is where amazon prime comes in fantastic because amazon prime you know you you, you buy now 24 hours later turns up on your doorstep and that remorse over spending loads of money and waiting for it to arrive and thinking oh and i shouldn't have bought them it's replaced pretty quickly by oh shiny oh shiny yeah <laughs> <laughs> but early early indications are really good they're super comfortable the noise cancelling is phenomenal with you know having the kids play outside and all that kind of stuff i tested them yesterday i couldn't hear anything you know my wife was sat talking to a friend the kids were playing in the living room tv was on i, I didn't hear a thing so i might be wearing them in the house more often but <laughs> uh but set up again super simple you unbox them, you download the app from your app store, you connect the headphones to the app, and you walk through several steps set, set up. So effectively, it's a two-step process. Get app, turn headphones on, off yep. you go. And the app is really good as well. It sets up all the noise cancelling. It sets up the profiles. It downloads the firmware, because that's a thing, isn't it? You know, firmware for headphones. <laughs> And they're really good. So, yeah, I mean, it's early days. This is the proper use of them, you know, outside of listening to a bit of music. So the, the 30, hours of, 30 hours of battery life is what's quoted, and there's a quick charge functionality. But I'd imagine I'll leave them on charge overnight when, I, you know, when they need a good charge rather than a quick charge. You can have two simultaneous connections via the app, so two devices simultaneously connected. Uh, other features are things like there you can take it's got auto stop and you take the headphones off the music stops you know, a bit like apple headphones yeah you can also do there's an also a setting where that if you're listening to music and you start talking it stops playback as well so okay to, nice. yeah so but a lot of uh, some of the reviews i saw were quite saying that that's not a great idea if you like singing along to music uh i think they have the other option don't they? we can lift one ear cup and it will pause the music for you that's right. Yep. Uh, there's ambient noise sensors as well into it. So the, okay. the setting I've got at the moment is that it, it adjusts surroundings based on your background noise. So yeah. if I go on a train, it's louder. Or I go on a plane sometime in the future. Uh, it'll adjust to that as well. So, you know, the early days, really good. Very happy so far. No negatives as of yet. The only thing was probably the cost of them. The, X, the XM3s yeah. were a lower price point. And I was tempted to probably go with them because for, for, every, for everything they do, they're on par. But I, as I say in my blog post, I kind of saw these as an investment. You know, the, the Bose have served... last another five or six years at least, yeah. aren't they? Well, that's the thing here. I don't plan on buying another set of headphones. You're right. The, 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 life, the lifespan of this product here is what interests me. You know, the Boses have served me well. As long as Sony have got good aftercare, which is, you know, pretty much I've always trusted Sony as a brand. And I can replace certain things. I don't see a problem with the cable because that's not going to get snagged like it, like I did a couple of years ago, where I was on a plane. I had it plugged into the the seat, uh, you know, controls for volume. Yeah. And in a moment of sleepy madness on a long haul flight, I got up and yanked the headphone lead straight out of the socket and disconnected the whole, you know, <laughs> cable and the adapter. So <laughs> I won't have that problem anymore. Uh, well, actually, no, I tell a lie. I will do if I go on a plane and I've got to plug it into the. <laughs> Into the, the Talking headset. of cables, is yep. it USB-C or are they still using micro USB? So that's a good point. I've got it here in front of me. So I can tell you now. Let me open the box. So I've got it here. Uh, so it comes with inside the box. You have in here the classic. Uh, I've never used one in how many years? You know, the plane adapter? You know, it comes with two, one of those. Like the yeah, two-pronged thing. 
and you come with two cables. You've got uh, a 3.5 male to male. Yep. That allows you to plug into, I guess, other sources. And you can plug in now. I could use that now, obviously, instead of using yeah. the, the wireless. And it comes with a USB-C to USB-A cable. Oh, awesome. So it is USB-C for charging. Uh, and I imagine what, you can... Uh, also... Hang on, hang on. USB-C oh. to USB-A. But that's just... You just need to get another cable, though, don't you? USB-C. Well, yeah. And how long do you think that cable is? Oh, is it something silly like 30 centimetres? <laughs> Not even that. I'd say it's about 15. If, uh, probably, yeah, 15 centimetres. Wow, that's a, that's a short cable. You, you, know, you won't be plugging <laughs> that into your computer to use as a USB audio interface, well, will you? No, I'm, I'm like looking around on my desk. I'm like, ah, I could probably plug it into this one spare USB port beside my monitor here, but that's about the only one that's close enough that can be. Go get yourself a meter and a half USB C to C cable, and you'll be fine. I think I've yeah, I think I've got one that I use for charging the iPad when I'm traveling. Uh, oh, so yeah. that doesn't get, that doesn't get used anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, so yeah, it's so early days, but great review, and uh, I think you know, we'll we'll look at. I think we should probably add, talk about more gadgets um, in our, in in our later podcasts, but Definitely. we'll see how that goes. I'll, I'll report back next week on on my findings. Brilliant. Well, I think that's probably we've probably spoken enough now and bored half everybody. If people, anybody still listening, thank you very much. We'll be back next week with episode four. Uh, I'm been Jay. He's been Carl. Fantastic, <laughs> and we will see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye.